Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. We have a panel discussion this morning um, for this Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll have um, the normal preach. And we have some people who have um, so graciously agreed to sit with us on the panel and discuss um, a few issues. We have just 30 minutes, so it's going to be very, very hard to cover everything, but we're going to try and then probably continue during the week. Also, prepare your questions. If you have questions, please, at some point, we'll stop for questions. When we do, please put your hand up, and then we'll allow you to ask your questions. Okay. So first of all, we want to invite Uncle Edwin, who is on our panel as well this morning. He's really, really given us a lot so far, but we know there's more in him, so we want to mine everything out of him, you know, and we know the Holy Spirit is going to um, speak to us um, through him and teach us, you know, some nuggets that we can take away with us. We also have a couple who have agreed to join us. We have Adam and Diana. Yay. Clapping harder, I think, will encourage them more. So <laughs> thank you so much, Adam and Diana, for coming. And then we have Joe and Nana, our own Joe and Nana, who are also on the panel this morning. Thank you all so much for agreeing to do this. Um, as I always say, we don't have professionals, we just have normal people who are going to share things about their, their lives, you know, so. Okay, so thank you all so much <laughs> for coming, and um, we hope that it will be interactive and that you all um, participate. So we are talking about marriage, and <laughs> for some people, the topic is like very exciting. Hey, marriage, some people can't wait to be married. Some people, too, when they hear the word marriage, they roll their eyes, like, not again. Like, we are not going to talk about this this morning again. But it just evokes so many emotions from different types of people, depending on their experience of it. So maybe what we would like to start with is to talk about, so different questions to go to different um, people. So maybe we'll start with Uncle Edwin and tell us, um, tell us about marriage. How did God intend marriage to be? Is it supposed to be something that we aspire to, or something that when you listen to it, uh, marriage, not again. Well, how, how did God plan for marriage to be? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, this is an obvious question, right? Because <laughs> in the Christian way, we always give particular answers. But in the end, you know how I'm asking this question. So, uh, Uncle Edwin, maybe briefly, you know, just a brief overview. How did God well, intend uh, marriage to be? Well, when uh, Adam was created, uh, it was just like uh, he needed a helper, okay, or a helpmate. So, God created Eve. And that started from the Garden of Eden. Just like creating a garden of Eden. That's what marriage is about. Then it was the same time said a man will live 
his home and get cleave to uh, a woman. That's the wife, okay? And so you could see that it was just like about companionship, like I said the other time. Throughout your life, I have seen it. Throughout my life, it's about companionship. Oh, procreation and other things come in. She said, be fruitful and multiply. But you could see from the time you were dating courtship, it's about companionship. Mm -hmm. The time you were married, I was married, I lost my wife. And it was 30 years, it was about companionship. And five years, I was single. I was single and I, I went into it again. It's still companionship. Okay. It's not about producing grandchildren. No, I can't produce my grandchildren. That would be a scandal. <laughs> All right. Okay. So it's about companionship. So for you, it's then. about companionship. That's, yes, a, yeah. that's an important thing. So right. then you're getting married because you want a companion. Um, so I'll come to, I'll come to um, Joe and Nana. Can you, is there anything more you want to add to this about marriage and how God intended it to be? Apart from companionship, is there anything else you think that um, you know, marriage should be? Thank you very much. Good morning. So I think Uncle Edwin has said three things. From the scriptures, we find all those three things. We find companionship. Yes, because it's not good for the man to be alone. Then we find also the other one he said, which is that the two should become one. So God also intended that he demonstrates something about how two people can mysteriously somehow become one. And then the third one we find also is the procreation one. So that's three reasons all from Genesis chapter 2 and 3 I think and then the fourth reason we'll find the Bible be from Ephesians where the Apostle Paul teaches about Christ and the church and then he tells us that marriage is also supposed to demonstrate a kind of a mystery a relationship between Christ and the church so that will be the only one I think I will add to it so I think in the scriptures we find these four reasons mainly why God created marriage Thank so you. companionship Two becoming, two becoming one, one. Procreation, procreation and okay. then demonstrating a mystery of God, the relation between Christ and the church. All right, so the, our marriages are bigger than us. We are actually projecting something of God to the world exactly. through our marriage. So we shouldn't just take it lightly. <laughs> if I'm happy, I'm in. If I'm not happy, I'm out sort of thing because it's not just about you. It's about the name of God as well. And I think we give God a bad name with all the high rates of divorce going on, even especially in the church. It doesn't really, um, you know, say much. Okay, so I'll come to um, Adam and Diana to give us practical ways in which they've worked out this companionship issue. Because in Ghana, this companionship one, I think that's the last one. The first one is maybe, what, procreation, <laughs> you know. Somebody says, I want to get married so that you, you know, have license. I, you know, I'm not having illegal sex. That's, that's the only reason they are getting married. Um, some of them also get, you know, some women, if I'm not being stereotypical, say, oh, I want to get married for someone who can look after me, you know, it will be a best friend. So if you cannot look after her, sorry, she's not getting married to you. Some men will say, I'm getting married because I want someone who can take care of my home. You know, they want to stop washing, cooking, and cleaning. So they get married. You know, so these are all the things. So how have you worked it's all those things? It's a really good time for me to come in. <laughs> so I'm really glad. I thought it would be Diana and I and our lovely host, this. And now I get to play my favorite role, which is like the devil's advocate. <laughs> so you guys will be the good people, good Christians, and I will be the annoying one. And before the end, you will see who gave the abroni that microphone. <laughs> so Diana and I came from different backgrounds, and we, had different, uh, we were raised differently. I, I did not marry my wife so she could take care of my home. I could cook and clean and iron. Better than 
and she could not. And she didn't marry me so that I could take care of her. I married her broke. And she had money. <laughs> this is the complete opposite, right? Yeah. And I want to validate the number one reason. There's many, many Christian young men who want to get married and they don't want to wait too long because yes, they want to sleep with someone. I want to have sex and I want to have it in a marriage and I want to find the right person. And so that person has to be attractive and I want it now. Uh, but you know that the trends in the West are more to wait, to get established, to have money, a career, a house, and then you get married at the end, maybe even after children. So what we did when I was uh, 24 and she was 22, we got married so young. How will they possibly stay together because of the rates of divorce? But we decided that we would together have our adventures. Let's have our adventures together and wait for family. And so I'm going to give a plug for family planning. I think it's wonderful. I think if you're young and you have kids right away, you become parents and you may not have time to learn about your spouse. And I think that was a very protective and important factor for us to learn about each other for the seven years that we were childless. Mm. And we had our first uh, experience in Africa and people said, but she is broken. Five years and no children. You should get another one. <laughs> and I said, oh, she's broken. Oh, thank you. Um, but she wasn't broken. Uh, we have three children and we love them very much. Mm. Uh, Related to companionship and how we grow in that companionship, I think part of it, especially when the kids come along, whether it's right away or later, need, needing to make a choice, and that's hard for mothers because we start to resent the needs of the husband because, you know, you can tell, like, the, the baby is clearly needy and he should be able to take care of himself, right? So it can be very hard to remember that God is first and our husbands to be second. And... And like we tell our kids now, you sometimes, mean the children are third, and the children are third, and they they need to know that. Like we tell our kids, sometimes you know, no, you will go away eventually, you know, and or we pray that they would be you know mature enough eventually to establish themselves and go away. But we existed as a couple before them, and we will exist as a couple after them, hmm. and that they need to know that that they are important, but they are not as important, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and that, I think, is important for them to know because that will also establish that for their, their future, that God is, you know, and, and Adam knows God is more important than him, too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, anyway. Yeah, so I just want to say quickly, you know, you may not be able to judge our ages as I can't necessarily judge yours. So Diana and I are coming on our 21-year anniversary. Wow. Okay. So we're not, we're not... You told them what <laughs> uh. now we are so, calculating your so, ages. so we're not you know 20 30 year olds just in case but we're also not 50 60 year olds we're somewhere in the middle so just you know we have a few years we don't have as many years as others yeah you do have enough so just you putting that enough. in perspective for you thank and you one thing, one thing about companionship that uh, we've had a number of big health scares and big sort of tra some tragedies and things that have come up throughout our, our marriage and one thing that I think has helped us a great deal is making sure to see ourselves as an us against whatever it is hmm. because so often it can be this issue is your issue you know oh that's clearly your problem and and you talked about sexuality and and that can be you know you have this idea as as Christians oh you've done the right thing and you've waited and now it's going to be amazing and it might not be 
you know that there are th it's probably not going to be right away because mm -hmm. you need you know and 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 it's easy to blame uh, issues like that it's easy to blame problems with you know your family and my family and rather than it's us against you know we What's talked about that last week about yeah. you know me needing to leave you know and it's no it's we have to we have to be a united front against maybe the in-law problems mm. or the uh, the children issues that come mm. up, the health issues that come up, and keeping as an us, right, and being willing to get help. So I'm going to like throw some uh, obroni expressions that you may or may not have heard. So one of the things that somebody told me, and I think it was during our marriage counseling, what, whatever. <laughs> okay, so some terms, some expressions that I grew up with. Um, so when we were in marriage counseling, someone said, so before you get married. You go in with your eyes wide open, and after you get married, you go around with your eyes half shut. <laughs> okay. So you're not, just, you're not the time. Love covers over everything. Right. Right. Know what you're getting into. Once you've tied the knot, it's too late. Better to keep your eyes half open okay. and let love cover everything. Wow. I think that's a good one. Yeah. yeah that's a good one. So thank you so much. Um, is there any question at this point? I don't know. Any question for our panelists? Not yet? Okay. So we've established companionship as the main thing. And trust me, there's going to be a lot of things fighting against that companionship. And for us here in our part of the world, I think economics is a big factor. And so you realize that maybe one of you has to go off somewhere because of work or somebody has to, you know, get the opportunity to travel outside and they think, you know, that's a better opportunity because then I can make money, come back and, you know, take care of the kids and all that. But all these things keep you apart. And I think that in making the decision, we need to know that companionship is number one. And just before we move on from that, I'd just like to add that for a lot of us who are in long distance relationships, please, this is the number one conversation you need to have. You have people who are dating, somebody is in Togo, somebody is in, you know, Nigeria, and you've never talked about what's going to happen when you get married, because you think that your life is just going to continue the way it is. You'll be here and you'll be there. You've never talked about who is going to move to join who, or when is that going to happen, and how long you're going to be apart, and things like that. So I think that we really need to focus on the companionship bit and make sure that we are fighting to, um, you know, to protect that. So that's the first thing, our time is just running up. The next thing I'd like to talk about, which has been a really big thing, I don't know if it happens in the world, but for us here, that comes against marriages is finances. Finances. And um, <laughs> somebody said that the last place for a man to get converted is his pocket, because everything else gets converted apart from the pocket. And a lot of fighting happens within marriages because of finances. Sometimes in our world, you know, people say, the woman will say, you know what, all the bills and whatever is, is, is the man's business, and the woman is not a part of it. Um, or they have all kinds of arrangements. So maybe I'll come to, maybe, again, Uncle Edwin, how should married people conduct their finances? Um, I think that's a good question. I was raised on the market. My mom was a market woman, a typical Macola. And this is what I saw. My dad was a civil servant. And whether what we call chop money, I think, you know, chop money is there or not, she's going to cook. Housekeeping money. Yeah, money, housekeeping money. She will put food. And I could say that I came from a mother led family when things went rough for my dad. 
she hustled and she showed resilience in supporting our education. So there was no role that, yeah, yeah, you have been to the secondary school and you have to wait for per day. She was always every day on the market providing for the family. So, but when you come to the educator, there can be a tacit arrangement that my first wife, I was responsible for the school fees. There was no written agreement because I was earning more. I became a director, I was earning more until I realized that she was also earning a lot, building a house in my hometown. So I said, let me take care of this house in Accra. It was not on paper actually, but it was just, the just this agreement. formal arrangement. Which, which went well. Because I'm a market boy, I could go to the, do the groceries and bring things home because you will come back home late because you are self-employed. It was not written. And then yeah. on the Saturday or something, he said, I'm going to Agbogoloshi uh, or something to go and do bulk buying. And she doesn't ask for money from my, my, my side, mm. okay? Because she also was raised by a market woman uh, mother. <laughs> okay. So she understood those things. All right, so basically it's just understanding each other mm. when the finances. Right. Okay. okay, but our values were also the same. That she likes to be frugal, not mm. spendthrift. Uh -huh. So there was no clash of values. That's very important. So I'll stop here. Okay, so let me come to Joe and Nana. Um, let's say from the Bible, does the Bible say anything at all about how married people <laughs> you are bible scholars <laughs> here today does it say anything at all about how married people should conduct their finances and then we'll come to dana and adam on the practical thing, like how it's really going and how you're working it out well so there's no well i haven't come across a bible verse that says couples should do this to their finances but i i, I know that the bible says that the two shall become one and if the two are becoming one, if you're able to become one flesh-wise, that for me is like the ultimate way of becoming one, then I, I, I see no reason why your finances cannot become one. And I say that because um, in marriage, if you do, like Rosemary said, if you don't take care, your finances are going to break you. And if you're able to uh, convert your finances into one single finance and that has different ways of being worked out but so that the whole family knows that this is a common pot and we are all uh, owners of this pot that that helps in, in the marriage so the husband doesn't go and build a house somewhere that the wife doesn't know about or the husband doesn't get a girlfriend somewhere that the wife doesn't know about because she doesn't know how the money is being spent. It is safer to do things together. In Ghana, people don't tell their salaries. So wives don't know how much their husbands are earning. Husbands don't know how much their wives are earning. If a woman wants to be secretive, I bet you, 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 you won't figure it out. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge for a lot of marriages um, where their finances are not together, their property is not together. And in our side of the world, you have a lot of um, relatives who depend on your finances. And if you don't establish this unity very early in your marriage, it creates problems. Because I may feel that 
my relatives are not stressing us out, but your relatives are always having needs, and then it can bring problems. But if you establish that this is it, we will give A, B, C, D this amount every month, it helps. And then if the family also know that there's unity here, they won't pull you aside and give you all sorts of stories so they can milk, in quotes, milk you. So I think that in becoming one, it's everything about you that becomes one. Including your money. Including your money. And especially your money. <laughs> Well, just to add that, that's been our practice, and it's worked very well for us. Like she shared, it just brings transparency. It fosters trust. And we, we work together as one unit, because that's our understanding of revelation of the two becoming one flesh. The two of us are one. So everything we do, it's, it's for us. Cars, houses, registered in both names. You know, We work as a unit. We budget together. We plan together. So it's not I end this, you end this. It's we end this. And it's been changing. Sometimes I earn more, sometimes she earns more, but it doesn't matter because it's us earning together. So I really would recommend to you guys, take away orders. People have told us, okay, how do you do that? Can you trust? It's worked well for us. If you love each other, you understand God has made you one, I think it works well. Thank you. Mm. This, Can I yeah. Add? Yeah, I just want to add something about extended family. Um, it is good to help people I have done that, but there are some people who don't think properly. And let me give you one, 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 there was a guy who came for the kids' school fees. And at that time it wasn't much, I could have given it out. I said, yeah, because you're a director living in cantonments, they will come. And I said, how do you plan your expenditure, right? I want to teach him how to fish, all right? Then I said, when I was young, I saw a problem in the family to help my siblings. I was eating twice a day from national service. And the lunch was for my, my brother. By the end of the month, I give it to my mom to add to the capital to go in and pay the school fees. And she started talking, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, on Saturdays, two beers, you know, he takes two bottles and other things. So calculation, I did my rough calculation. Then I said, fine. You know, all these calculations I did, you could pay that school fees, so go and think properly and come back. And he never came back. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, so before, before, <laughs> before Adam and Dada come in here, I think this is a stronghold in our setting because we come from backgrounds where mostly the men, right, they have different families. So they have, they have children with this one, they have children with that one, and then the women think, you know, if I put my money in this thing, it's going to fund some other woman and her children, so I'm not doing it. And it's such a huge stronghold. I think from what we are hearing, if, if, you, can't, <laughs> if you can't give your ATM card to the other person and tell them the pin and, you know, still sleep at night, then probably there's an issue. <laughs> you know, there, there is an issue. And this thing about people not knowing what the other person ends is real. People, they just don't know where the other one ends. And because, you know, because of all these things. So if today you're hearing it from here, please. Your finances should be together. Transparency is the issue. Some people do joint accounts. Some people do, you know, whatever. But there should be transparency. You should know what the other person is bringing in. And it even keeps you accountable. 
you know, so that everybody knows what is going where, and you are not hiding and doing things. So as he said, there are bronies. I don't know if that is a problem with, I mean, from coming from your side of the world as well, but how are you working out this whole finances thing? Of course, uh, finances are a problem. So two more expressions. What is male PMS, do you know? <laughs> the three things that men struggle with that make them in a bad mood. Power, money, and sex. Male PMS, <laughs> remember that. Okay, and the other thing is, what are the top three reasons for divorce? Money, finances. sex, and in-laws, family. <laughs> okay, so I know it lines up, but if it helps you, because these are really critical, so money. I married into money. She did not. When we got married, I had the ideal that she would be home with the children, and she was like, no, no, I'm going to work. I have a brain. I went to university, and I am skilled. And she was right. So then she went the career path. And it didn't last for, for health reasons, and that's fine. Eventually, I made more money than her. But the model that I had seen in my family was that my father worked very, very hard. Not necessarily for a lot of money, because he chose to be at home with the family rather than make more money. But he worked very, very... To work so he could come home at night. To come home at night. Every night he was home. Uh, but my mother worked very hard. And what she worked very hard doing was spending the money in a way that we could still eat, that we could still be clothed, that we still had everything we ever needed. Because she worked very hard finding the deals and mending and doing the labor and, and so much. Big, big job. Um, and so that, that was what we, that's what I saw. Um, even though somebody might bring the money, the other person is working hard to use the money properly. And that's a really big deal. Now, I'm going to say quickly, I am the most spendthrift in our couple. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> I am the most spendthrift. And I didn't come from a spendthrift family, but compared to her, spend, she, uh, not spending was like a god. It was like a god. Really, truly. It's an idol. <laughs> As others can spend, and it becomes an idol. Some people don't spend, and it's an idol. Which are you? Because there's a really good chance your spouse is the other. So if you're not talking about it, I can tell you right there, you're coming in as two different people. You need to find a space. The spender will feel bad. The person who is saying don't spend will feel bad. So what will you do? We have to talk about it a lot. I got in trouble for buying coffee. <laughs> do you know Tim Hortons from Canada? Tim Hortons is like the coffee shop. It's a Canadian premium, brand. Premium coffee? It's not premium. Oh. It's terrible coffee. But... <laughs> but you couldn't buy it. Yeah. But you... Yeah. So we had to discuss. <laughs> Diana. <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself now? <laughs> like I, when he mentions things about... I, I, you know, in this case, for me, yes, not, not spending money and doing things as, as an idol, I think that... Uh, that goes to much deeper issues is in, in my life, I struggled with finding security in something other than God. And in this case, it was, oh, if I save the money, then I'll have this security blanket. Mm. But I think we, we, in our lives, we seek a security blanket and a sense of identity in all sorts of things other than God. And that's that our marriages are going to be much healthier 
as we grow to find our identity and our security in God alone, not in our spouse, because I think, and not in our finances and so on, but I think the t uh, one area that puts a huge pressure on marriages is when we're seeking our identity and our security in the other person, you know, they're going to fulfill us, right? And, and you know, television and movies has given us this idea that you, are, you will be completed, but no, you, God, is, God has made it such that the only way we are complete is with him. Mm. And, there's, and there's a huge amount of growth, not just becoming saved, you know, there's a huge amount of growth that comes with that, but if we put the pressure on the other person, they're not strong enough for that. Mm. And I'm not strong enough for that, for him to put that on me. Uh, and finances clearly are not strong enough to hold that kind of pressure for our security. But I think we need to remember that we're, that we are together, but in this pursuit of God, not trying to find a fulfillment wholly in our marriages. And I think, again, when it comes to uh, relationships struggling and breaking down, we've put all this pressure on them and we're not expecting the ups and downs because over time, you know, it doesn't matter what relationship you're in, marriage or friendship or, you know, things are changing over time and we get this idea that, oh, I must have made a mistake, you know, things are not going well, you know, I'm noticing all these problems, we keep getting after one another, <gasps> I've married the wrong person, you know, mm. and, and many people, you know, they get seven years in, eight years in, nine years in, I made a mistake, I need to try again, you know, and, but the problem is, you know, you are not complete, because you have not, you know, and so you, you might leave that person, you go find another person, and the new problems, after a couple of years, they start again. And the problem is because it was with you in the beginning. Yeah. You know, you've brought the same person and, you know, it's your own growth. Right. And I think related to finances as well as other areas of, of conflict, that uh, the thing we found the most helpful is both being willing to get, to get help and to get input into our marriage, not just when things are going really badly, but at other times when things are going, oh, yeah. Eh. Right. because uh, getting input from others and being willing to hmm. see that this is an area that we need to grow in. Oh, thank you. It's good you mentioned the thing about security because for us women, you know, when there's something in the account, like there's something in the account, you walk, your walking is different. <laughs> when there's nothing in the account, you will hear from us because we are irritated. We, we don't link it to it, but actually if you, if you trace, you realize that it's because the account is empty, you know. And as you're saying, your security, when you have that, you feel secure, like, you know, for a rainy day or whatever. But our security should first be in God and then in finances. Unfortunately, our time is up. John is there giving me signals. Um, so we're going to round this up. But I don't think that a conversation on marriage is going to be complete if we don't talk about intimacy in marriage. And I don't know how we are going to do that in five minutes. But everybody's going to have two minutes <laughs> to talk about this issue, which I think is also another pillar, you know, apart from finances, apart from this whole companionship thing, in, in, in marriage. And so what we'll do is, <clears throat> I think a pastor once told me that, you know, we have this thing upside down. So before you get married, you're just having sex all over the place. And then you get married and you don't want to have sex at all. Like, well, we're, getting it <laughs> we're getting it upside down. So what we'll do is we want to straighten that out a little bit. And um, I don't know how you do it in two minutes. But Uncle Edwin, um, someone said that for men, sex is a need, not a want, it's a need. Like, they need it to function. Um, is this true? Uh, 
basically, I think they have the wrong notion of love making in marriage. That's to me. That word sex does not represent love making. You know, I have been on the other side of life, the Hellfire Club I told you about. Yes, and you yes, and I know that that is not it. But it's very important for people to see that intimacy. When there is no intimacy, physical or otherwise, because they don't know how to express their love languages, it's a red f flag for communication breakdown. So that's all I can say for now. For now, with all the time limits. Thank you so much. Again, we'll come to our Bible scholars. Does the Bible even talk about this at all? Or like we have to be? You know, sometimes they tell us that the ladies, you know, no sex, no sex, no sex. And then you get married and you're a bit confused. So what does the Bible say about this whole thing? The Bible recommends it big time. And um, in fact, the Apostle Paul says that we mustn't deny each other unless for special reason we must even agree. That tells you how important it is. And I think that Even when you are fasting. So he says if you are fasting and you want to, then you should, the partner should agree. The partner doesn't agree, either you stop the fasting or you fast with it. <laughs> but the agreement must be there. And that's the beauty of the two becoming one. There's so much revelation packed in that, that thing about the two becoming one. When we understand it, we get to understand that it's not just becoming one physically. For intimacy to work well, you need to become one emotionally. And that usually is a problem. Because people are married and they are not friends anymore. They don't talk about things anymore. It's just about the business of life and family and work and, and this and that, that project. And that is a big problem. Let's understand that in marriage, we're supposed to be one emotionally, to become one. So physically, emotionally, even spiritually as well. In every way, we should work towards becoming one flesh and the intimacy side gets solved automatically because you are best friends, you share everything together, and interestingly, even making finances together, like you both said, with women, the money matters a lot. If the money is not there, even the mind is not even on intimacy or sex. So when there is that oneness even financially, and there's transparency and there's openness, that also helps. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think we need time to talk about this into more detail, okay. but I think that intimacy is key, and we rob ourselves of quality marriages because we we overlook this intimacy bit. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so yes, two minutes. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but. <laughs> <laughs> so one more expression. Um, uh, a woman is, is, is like an oven, and a man is like a microwave. So when things are heating up physically between you, you know how good it gets to heat the food up quickly, and you eat it, and it's done, and you're satisfied. But have you ever had something you know, in the oven? It takes time, but the texture is nice and it's heated through properly. Okay, so when a woman gets prepared for physical intimacy, it takes time, but it's much more lovely. And the man, like the microwave, boom, 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 boom. So when, 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 when you are a man and you are ready to serve your wife and allow her to heat up all day, so that you can all have day? time together all day. Yes, that is a Heating up all day. Wow. All day. It's a skill. It's a skill eh? That is a secret. Then, <laughs> then maybe you can share something rather than being served. Wow. And I just want to make a comment regarding the, the sex being a need for men. And it's, I think, so much, certainly when I grew up, so much of the culture it, that spoke to me through Christian culture is is yes, men need this, you need to do this 
so that you don't lose your man. You know, you need to... And then you end up getting this mentality that you go into sex and it's only about him. And this, it's a duty and it's a responsibility. And especially when you've got kids, it's one more thing you have to check off the <laughs> list. And it become and there's and you can't have that kind of emotional intimacy around this because uh, because of the attitude that you've been taught about it and you're having. And uh, I think something we, we and I mean if it's an issue for you that some and you are interested in talking about it, it's something that was a big problem for me and one of the other, for for years. And one of the challenges, of course, is many of us as women, particularly, we have issues of abuse that we have to get over. And so, and, and even issues of what we've been taught as children, and we've learned, oh, because we're, we're good Christians, this is a shameful and a bad thing. Because we're given that before we enter marriage, and then all of a sudden, you're supposed to change, and it's supposed to be a good thing. Yeah. And that, and it, it like, like you said, it takes time, and it's, and women are, uh, do, can very much come to enjoy it just as much as men, but it's going to take that slow oven approach and it's going to take learning about it because we haven't been taught, you right. know, and yeah. Right. Quickly, I promise. <laughs> so <laughs> Diana and I, when we were married, we were both virgins. We thought we had done everything right. And yet we had so much to learn. And the learning takes very, very long time. <laughs> a very, very, a very, very long time. Unlearning as well, but learning takes a very, very long time. But men, if you think you are such wild stallions, okay? You ejaculate once and you're done. And you can't go again for a minimum of 20 minutes. <laughs> but women, biologically, can orgasm multiple times. Are you capable of bringing your women to that? Yes. Because remember, it's not all about you. If you're so good, can you do that for your wife? Wow. Otherwise, I'm sorry, you're not such a wild not stallion. <laughs> And my final comment here is, though, that, that uh, for women, the most important sexual organ is not, you know, yes, she needs physical stimulation. There is that too, right? You're probably, you know, if, if you are a married couple that, and, but you've never thought that sex has more to do, uh, something to do with more than penetration, there's some learning that needs to be done. But your best, this is the best sexual organ for women. And so she needs to be romanced and loved and prepared. and prepared. Oh, yes. And <laughs> in Canada, the jokes that go around are, you know, with the proliferation of porn and everything, okay, but if the man wants to romance the wife, he was doing the dishes. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds romantic. <laughs> oh, then, then, then I should not ever have reason to complain because I do dishes a lot. Like, <laughs> that's, that's always translate. <laughs> oh, our time is up. We've had so much fun. Is there like a pressing question that needs to be asked? Oh my gosh. Should we agree to go over? NK? Because there are like three hands up. What do we do? Should we do? What should we do? Sorry, I need some direction. But if they all agree, do we agree to do 10 minutes? Yes. 10 minutes? Yes. Thank you. The voice of the people. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of the people.
They're very. I I guess I guess yes. If you have a pressing need that has to be done at ten thirty, but we'll do just ten minutes and three. Sorry. We'll do three questions. Three questions. Okay. So ten minutes. So please, if you're asking a question, very very straight to the point, please. Okay. So I think Cosmos hand is up. Very quickly, um, would you to any extent say that marriage can be overrated, especially in African societies? <laughs> this one goes to Dr. Joe, or is it overrated? Do we overrate it? overrated in Africa? Yeah, so it's, it's quite, a, but he says in any sense, right? So it's, it's an open question, which is really broad. I would say yes and no, depending on what you mean by is marriage good? Is it excellent? Is it beautiful? Can it be fun and exciting? Yes, yes, it can. So if you go in and you don't get that experience and that fun, it doesn't mean that people are overrating it. So in that sense, I would say you really can't say it's overrated. Okay, but if you're asking the sense of people remaining single, then I'll say yes, it's overrated in Africa. In Africa, people feel that you must get married no matter what. And so when you're not married, it's seen as a negative thing. But singlehood is also as valid as being married. So it's yes and no, depending on what you, you mean. All right. But in terms of enjoyment of it, I don't think it's overrated. I think um, it's actually underrated very much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Next question, please. Um, now, the men should know that what she said. And then what they said, lovemaking is a full-time job. It's not a part-time job. Wow. Please, wow. did we get that? Did that sink in? It's a full-time job. Full job. You know. It's not five minutes. Not for part-time workers, please. <laughs> okay. Thank you. That, that is deep. Please, the next question. <laughs> Apostle, the next question. Sorry, who, whose hand was up? Okay. I think the, the last time we were discussing about the marriage concerning uh, singles, I was making a point. I was making a point, um, but I was cut off because of time. And I think I have to, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think I have to justify it. When I mean by entering into the dangerous zone, yeah. Um, you think when you get to a certain age and you are not married, Friends and family will come after you. And I had opportunity to be in a labor world where my wife was going to deliver. And you can see the women in different ages. And you can see that women who are advanced in age, they cannot compete with the younger ones. And when I, what I saw there, I think it's always good to get married at a certain age. Now, my contribution on marriage, when I was going to marry, I remember uh, Pastor Alan told me that I shouldn't use the word uh, I've regretted. So I asked him a question, why that word is very offensive? And he told me that when I get there, and truly, I got there, and that word nearly escaped from my mouth. <laughs> Yes, because every marriage varies with its challenges. Some enter into marriage, they'll end up in psychiatry. Some will die early. Mm -hmm. 
some there will be divorce, mm -hmm. some there will be insults. In fact, I witnessed this when I went to the labor work. That is where you see an irresponsible man be insulted in labor world. Oh. Yes. So okay. I think this topic, we need time to digest it. It's a very broad topic. Mm. Thank you so much <laughs> for your contribution. I think the last question is behind yours. Just a few minutes, please. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I want to ask a question. Uh, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, can two work together unless they both agree? So when this agreement turns to civil war, <laughs> who will settle the fight? Please, we want to. But some of these fights last for years, eight years, ten years. Really? And the man and the woman, they will come to church and they will pretend as if things are working all right. So we are fighting about who should yeah. answer. So, <laughs> Please, who, who who solved the fight? This so wow. so I want to make wow. a first shot. Yes. This is the shot across the bow. Who is the spiritual head? So then, who gets the responsibility? The man is the spiritual head of the house. On him rests the responsibility. Now, does that mean that the man will be right? No. Not always. Not always. Woman, can you submit to your man when he makes a mistake? Do you trust the Lord to bring you through it together? It's not easy. Do you really want to take that responsibility from him? Because when you do, you might as well cut his scrotum off and leave him manless. That is what you're doing. When he doesn't take that role, there's no way you're going to respect him. Wow. Now, can I, when you say, you know, who is going to, who's going to help you make with, with this? The best decision we ever made was kind of, was before we actually got married, we, uh, there was a couple that we came to befriend. They were my parents' age. And they became a mentor couple for us. And when we would, when we would get these fights, when we would fight, when we would have disagreements, when we wouldn't know what, you know, things just not going that well, we would go and talk to them. And I strongly recommend that. And if that means you need to go to marriage counseling, just on a regular basis, a, a, a friend couple that, uh, that you're willing to lay out all your dirty laundry in front of, you know, because there often come things where you can't come to an agreement. Mm. And you need, some, you need a third party to come and say, well, you know what? And the other, the other really important thing I think is there are many issues where you may be certain you are right, but what's more important, having a healthy relationship with this person or being right? And I've really struggled with that because, I mean, clearly I'm right, right? You know, just, you know, just to make sure you know, when we disagree, I'm right. But, um, but I'm responsible. <laughs> but sometimes you have to get to that point of, well, well is this... A salvation issue? Is this such an important issue that I am willing to sacrifice the relationship on being identified as right and known yeah. as right? You know? Right. So and at this point. Of course, you need to get to the point of going, maybe I could be wrong. <laughs> Christ but in I'm the church. Christ in the church. Christ yeah. in the church. The beauty of yeah. marriage is that you can be Christ to your church, your wife. When you figure that out, you'll be so beautiful, you'll probably just disappear and go into heaven. <laughs> now, Jesus served the church. 
so man, even if you're right and the responsibility is yours and you're the spiritual head, blah, 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 when did you die on the cross for your church? Mm. Yeah. Mm. And if you did it yesterday, does that mean you don't have to do it today? Yeah. Wow. At this point, the kids have come in, so I don't know whether what you have to say is PG or it's child friendly. Yeah, if yeah. it is, let me just and we add, have two minutes, and yeah. then we have to close. Let me add one thing. I experienced the kids are here, so it to be closed. Okay. In my house, any partner could call for the game. You know the game I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But coming to the fasting, one day the lady called for the game, and I said, "Oh, I'm fasting." So he said, oh, really? Okay. So when my fast was over, I also called for the game. He said, she sorry, I started fasting. my fasting. I didn't know you ended your fasting. Thank you. Okay, so finally, um, do you want to just respond to that question? Then? Okay, so um, who resolves conflict? Yes. I would say that from my experience, if you have a couple who are both committed to God, to Christ Jesus, both of them really love God and want to live for God, and are committed to God's word. And it's very easy to resolve conflict. Because all you have to do is to go to God's word. And God's word points out where the problem is. And once you are humbly submit to God's word, it's, able to, it's easy to make amends and then resolve issues. So who do you go to? I'll say go to God and his word. Come talk to your pastors. Come talk to those who if you didn't do marriage counseling or you don't have your counselors. Find solid marriage counselors and talk to them. If you're ready to submit to God's word, you don't have to be in conflict for 10 years. It doesn't even have to last a week. It can be resolved. Thank you. And I think it's a sign of strength. I mean, so many people feel like, oh, going to get help or going to ask someone else is a sign of weakness. No, it's a sign of strength that you are willing to make improvements. You know. Thank you all so much. At this point, I'd like to introduce um, Joe and Nana. They are uh, marriage and family life pastors. So if you have any issues, please, if it has lasted eight years, you really need help. So... Talk to them. They have all the answers. You know, they can sort you out in a day. Um, yeah. Anyway, let me stop talking before. <laughs> thank you all so much. And thank you all for agreeing to stay a bit longer. I think we'll do the offering and then we'll close. But I think in the week, during the week, we'll have meetings where we'll keep talking about these issues. So thank you all. And please, let's give it up for our panelists. You, they did a great job. Thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs>